0: Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we bring back the fat burning man himself, Abel James.
1: There's a tendency to think whenever you're, especially due to kind of a paradigm of eating or living, to think that more is better and that going really, really hard is going to get you better results. And that can be true, but generally speaking over time, it's more about finding balance and finding a better balance at a better sweet spot for you. There are stories of, of grown men just like right before the end of their marathon, weeping, walking in the wrong direction, sitting down just, you know, and much worse, by the way, much much more graphic that I won't get into right now. But I mean, that's something that can actually happen and our nervous systems are real our limits are real you can't push this to the to the max and expect success every time
0: we have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis fasting and carnivore and on the keto camp podcast we are determined to deliver the science to you we bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations Hey, Keto Camper. Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you so much for pressing play today. We have a fantastic, fun conversation with my friend, Abel James. Abel James has been in the health game for many, many years. He has one of the first podcasts that ever released out there in the podcast world, which is called the Fat-Burning Man Podcast with a great YouTube channel. He's been around for a very long time. He has the book, The Wild Diet, which has been all over the place, all over the health world. And it's one of the first books I read in 2013, 2014 that really opened my eyes to more a ketogenic intermittent fasting ancestral approach. And Abel has been on the Keto Camp podcast before, episode 106, where he shared his backstory of going from being overweight, obese, to being the fat-burning man. And we dove deep into tips for losing weight, the best time for carbs, the benefits of fasted cardio, and we took a deep dive into his book, The Wild Diet. You can listen to that episode after you finish today's brand new episode. We'll drop a link for that down below. Today, we discuss some very interesting topics. One of them is the social media censorship. And I asked Abel right off the bat, Why did Instagram delete your account with over 40,000 followers? Very interesting answer. We get into how social media, the social media addiction, mindless scrolling leads to mental health issues and what we can do to use social media as a tool, but not let social media use us and rule our lives. Very difficult to do in this day and age, even for myself. I find myself in the matrix of TikTok sometimes, scrolling on Instagram, sometimes comparing myself to other people. You know, I look at my friends out there like Thomas DeLauer and Dr. Ken Berry, and even people I don't know like Dr. Berg and other really well known health and keto and intermittent fasting educators. And sometimes I find myself comparing myself to them and comparing where I am with my YouTube channel subscribers and you know, the amount of likes I get on a post and my Instagram followers. And I look at these individuals who have sometimes 3, 4, 10x the amount that I have. And uh, it's not a winning game to compare yourself to other people. So I'm very aware when I started doing that. And I remind myself, and I hope this helps you, that we're not in competition with anybody. You know, the world class, they create and they collaborate. It's the amateurs who compete The only person that I'm in competition with, the only person that you're in competition with, is yourself. It's what you did yesterday. The actions you took yesterday, the thoughts you thought yesterday, if you could just tweak that and get a little bit better today, and then a little bit better tomorrow, I believe those small tweaks lead to giant peaks. Social media is a double-edged sword, and we'll talk about some ways to overcome The negative aspect of social media and use it as an amazing tool to reach more people. We also discussed the importance of your morning routine. And your morning routine is going to be very different according to your highest values and your hobbies and unique needs, but why we want to protect that valuable subconscious mind first thing in the morning. I asked Abel the question, and this is a question he said he has never been asked before, which is impressive because he's been on, I'm sure, thousands of interviews before. The question I asked him, because he's interviewed over a thousand people on his show, out of all the interviews he's done, has there ever been an interview he has not released? And if the answer is yes, why did he decide not to release it? And you're going to hear why. Very interesting. We talk about the benefits of feast famine cycling. You know, I'm a big fan of that. We talk a lot about that as well as my mentor, Dr. Pompa. We call it keto flexing he talks about the importance of feasting and fasting and how our cells are hardwired to do so. I will bring on Abel in a minute, but I do want to take a minute to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day from Pat P. Nurse from New Jersey. This five-star review is titled Best Podcast with Real Education and Information. Ben, thanks for the really terrific podcast. Every episode is packed with great information. You do a great job by making each session educational and informative for all range of knowledge bases. It is very down-to-earth and inviting. I have listened to other health-related podcasts where it's really a conversation between the host and the guest, throwing around facts and terms to make themselves sound smart, but not including the listener. Thank you from Pat P. Pat P, thank you. I'm so glad you listen. And the information is relevant to you. And you're right. We have information relevant for those who are scientists or for those who are just getting started with their health journey. We bridge that gap. Some episodes go really deep into the science and some give you some really bite-sized nuggets. But I always try to do my best to get the research and the explanation from my guest and then reiterate it with an analogy or some sort of way for the average person to understand it. And that's the goal. You know, if the information, the science goes over your head, you're not going to be able to get the information and apply it, right? So we want to make sure we bridge that gap. If you have not left the Keto Camp podcast, a rating or a review yet on Apple Podcast, what are you waiting for? It really helps the show grow. It really helps us change more lives. And it takes a lot of money and energy and resources to get out these two to three episodes a week, which we've been doing. So, you could thank us by simply leaving the podcast a rating and review, honest rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to. Quick reminder before I bring on Abel, you can download my free seed oil allergy card to use this at restaurants, to avoid seed oils at restaurants. It works like a charm. Download it to your phone, get it for free over at seedoilcard.com or click the link in the podcast notes down below. And then if you haven't joined my upcoming 90-day heavy metals detox program, or you haven't heard about it and want to learn about it, it's a small group I'm taking through a 90-day detox program. It includes supplements for health coaching calls with me and access to an online portal to flesh out heavy metals the right way. Heavy metals are the number one cause of cell inflammation. When we remove it, it upgrades your keto and fasting and carnivore results. So if you want to join, we still have room for a few more people. Head over to Detox.com or click the link in the podcast notes down below. All right, let's talk with the fat-burning man, Abel James. Abel James is a New York Times bestselling author and a modern-day Renaissance man. He starred as a celebrity coach on ABC television and has been featured in People's Magazine, Wired, Forbes, Entertainment Tonight, and NPR. As the host of the number one podcast in eight-plus countries called Fat-Burning Man, Abel has helped Millions reclaim their health and perform at their best with cutting-edge science, outdoor workouts, and outrageously good food. Here's my friend, the amazing Abel James. Abel James, my friend, the fat-burning man, welcome back to the KetoCamp Podcast, brother.
1: Ben, thank you so much for having me, man.
0: We were having some fun uh, catching up offline Just supporting each other and uh, you've been a huge inspiration in my life as I spoke about on the previous episode. So for those who are new to the podcast, Abel has been on before. A couple years ago, it was episode 106 where we talked about his book, The Wild Diet. By the way, Abel, when I went on Amazon and I looked up The Wild Diet, I don't know if this is an intentional thing or an accident or something just weird. But it says the release date for The Wild Diet is January 1st, 1672. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Welcome to Amazon. Did you know that? (laughs) That's that's definitely (laughs) not something that I did. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I was like, maybe he did it on purpose because you know, back he wants to go back to our ancestral times and that's what they ate. I'm like thinking, so it wasn't a typo by Amazon.
1: Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> meta in the in the true sense of the word. No, you know, it's interesting with Amazon, there it's just a wild west of listings. I remember when I released the wild diet, within a couple of days, there were all these books that were by like Abel Jones and like Adel James that were all about eating wild, and they're just like make sure that your Cornish game hand gets up to 135 degrees and then eat it. And there's a little beetle. And I'm like, Oh my God, how is Amazon allowing any of this nonsense? But they do. It's just, and, and not even that, but it's like, if you try complaining, there's no one really to complain to and they're not going to do anything. And it's been something, honestly, we've struggled with as, as independent creators with books, with apps, with, as you know, putting out uh, videos and that sort of thing, as soon as you have like a really great idea or a structure or something, or especially as soon as you release something, there are all sorts of copycats within a little bit and uh, i wish the tech platforms were better about that but that's entertaining to hear that i sound so old according to amazon i mean that's that's jamming
0: the year 1672 that's when the book Not came bad. out traditional wild diet <laughs> uh so yeah on that episode episode 106 if you didn't listen to it or watch it uh, we'll put a link for it down below we went into your praying to purpose story carbon monoxide poisoning we took a deep dive into the book and today's going to be a brand new conversation, a fun conversation, an amazing conversation. And here's where we're going to start the conversation. Your 40,000 plus followers on Instagram went poof, it went bye, bye-bye. What happened to your Instagram account? Why did you get banned and kicked off of Instagram?
1: I don't truly know, but there were a couple of, of hints. There were a couple of threatening emails where, you know, our entire account would be removed or we would lose access or or how however they phrase it. We've gotten a few of these emails over the years from various tech platforms. And this one from Instagram was in reference to uh, a quote image that we put out for every show. We'll put out one or two different quote images, which kind of, you know, just has an interesting quote of some kind or something that will maybe ruffle the feathers. It, it might be a little bit edgy sometimes, but not too over the line. I mean, you know us, we're, we're it's... My wife, Allison, and I are pretty, we try to keep things family friendly. And even if it is a little edgy, it might just be about questioning things. And so uh, I had a nurse on the show who, uh, it was basically just a direct quote and an image where she said that for-profit medicine doesn't have the best interests of of people in mind. It's it's killing people, essentially, the profit-based bent of medicine is a problem and and, and various ways of saying that in text and an image. And so anyway, it was just we responded to a false copyright claim and our entire account was pretty much like nuked. It seems like it's still there, but we've not had access to it in in months now. I don't really expect access back. But at the same time, we've kind of struggled with this for a while as, as independent creators who want to do good in the world knowing that tech platforms are doing the opposite of that is an uncomfortable position to be in And Instagram in particular is one of the absolute worst for our health, our mental health, our physical health, our idea of what is normal and acceptable, the indoctrination of advertising, some of it kind of pernicious and and bizarre or just always there. Uh, it's not good for our, our mental state. And so not being there for a few months actually feels pretty good, oddly. Although I do really miss being in better touch with people because these days, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, as much as I wouldn't like them to be, TikTok and the rest are messaging apps. They're, they're kind of like your phone book. And so like the amount of people who have probably messaged me thinking that I haven't messaged them back kind of bums me out because I like being there for, for people as we all do.
0: Yeah, the way I view social media these days is kind of like a a necessary evil, right? It's like people are there and we want to get our message to people, but you got to be careful. Uh, This is a very important topic, the mental health of social media and, and the impact it has on your mental health. Because everything that goes into your subconscious mind is accepted as truth. So as you're scrolling mindlessly through your phone, TikTok, whatever it is, whatever negative story is on there, whatever like soft porn. It's essentially like TikTok is like soft porn. Whatever, yeah, um, a lot more risque thing is all going into your subconscious mind, which in turn uh, is your behaviors and your lifestyle and your result. So for me, my philosophy is okay. I'm going to delegate as much as I can to my team to distribute things. I might check my messages and all that but I'm going to use it, not let it use me. So I think that's very important for those listening to understand that. Use it as a tool, but don't let that tool use you. What are some of the other negative impacts of just being addicted to social media? Like what have you seen in our space with people who are on social media all the time?
1: It's never enough. And it's also been taken to the level that's so superficial that it's difficult to transfer anything that's meaningful in terms of ideas or creativity. Now that's not a hundred percent true. There are definitely exceptions and there are some people who do it really well, but having been doing this for more than a decade now with blogging, podcasting, videos, social media, and all these different forms, and also being a musician throughout all of this for many decades, you know, even before that, I've seen TikTok in particular is a great example of how (laughs) now even the music is following the trends of TikTok where it's all hooks. It's all chorus. There's no verse. There's no kind of like lead up to it. There's no foreplay. It's just right there. And then it's there again, and it's there again, and then it's gone. then it's the next thing. And, uh, and I don't know how great that that is for our overall creativity and mental health. I know as a musician, it leaves people in kind of a a strange space after the past couple of years. It's like touring has kind of restarted and music is kind of coming back a little bit, but also radio isn't really a thing and neither is MTV. Those are those are long gone and we don't really have disc jockeys anymore. It's all algorithms and all these just like short, quick hit songs. And that kind of applies to a lot of our media. So if you want to go deep, then one thing that we like doing is going to the older stuff, whether it's books, or listening to old tom waits and johnny cash records and blaze foley and just old school jazz or whatever it is do that with whatever you want to learn about whether it's gardening uh, in the backyard in the you know traditional organic way which isn't new like this stuff has been around for a long time look for the old books uh, look for the old movies about things and fall back in love with the right kinds of media. Because right now it it does seem to be a dark kind of superficial time where more people are anxious and bummed out than ever. So it doesn't seem to be solving our problems right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great message. go back to the old school uh, gardening, whatever it is, old school music. Hey, I wanna take a brief minute to share something with you. For many years, I used to take fish oil and recommend it. And I see a lot of people in the keto space overdoing it with fish oil. There are several reasons why. I am not a fan of fish oil and why I stopped recommending it to all of my clients several years ago. Number one, 83% of fish oil is expected to be rancid on the shelf before you even consume it. There was also an experiment done. This study was called the Iowa Screening Experiment. This study showed it took 18 weeks to reverse the negative effect of the incorporation of EPA and DHA from fish oil into the cell membrane. Another study found that fish oil increased the risk of colon cancer in mice here's the quote we found that mice developed deadly late stage colon cancer when given high doses of fish oil more importantly with the increased inflammation it only took four weeks for the tumors to develop simply put i stopped taking it i stopped recommending it i use a plant-based omega from PureForm. this supplement is nitrogen infused which preserves and protects it It has the proper balance of omega-6 to omega-3, and most importantly, it gives you the derivatives, the building blocks, they're called parent essential oils, for you to produce your own EPA and DHA. If you want to learn more about Pureform, head over to purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4, that is B-E-N, the number 4, at checkout, and you'll get $4 off your capsules of Pureform. We will also drop a link for you down below in the podcast notes. All right, let's go back to this episode. Now, how many interviews have you done in terms of like you being the interviewer? How many interviews have you done in your life? Boy, estimate?
1: well, well over 500, but probably well over a thousand. If you kind of add up, not just that particular show, the Fat Burning Man podcast, but all the various things, because there have been, I know you, you're very busy as well and and get a lot done. And I really respect what you do. And and so it adds up over the years, you know, it's, there's the video course here. And there's a couple of documentaries. And then there are all these apps and all these little things that you that you created, but never released even there. Are, there are so many of those. But yeah, in the hundreds to the thousands. So I'm not nearly as prolific as some, but yeah, we've definitely put in the hours.
0: You kind of touched upon with your answer, the question I was going to ask you based off of the interviews you've done. And by the way, you know, I mean this when I say it, you're one of the best interviewers that I've ever come across. I could tell, and and I mean it. And I know you being a podcast host like myself, you know when a podcast host either wings it and hasn't done any research or they're well-researched and they know their stuff, they know their audience. And you obviously take a lot of time and energy to understand your guest and put a lot of research into it. So I respect that. I know a lot of other podcast hosts respect that as well. Cause not, as you know, not a lot of podcast hosts do that. I've been on podcasts as an interviewer being interviewed, interviewee being interviewed. And I could tell this person has done no research on me. (laughs) You've probably been there yourself. Oh man. But The question I was going to ask you is, you know, 500, a thousand plus interviews, has there ever been, and you kind of said there is, an interview or more than an interview that you decided not to release and you don't have to say the person's name if there is one and why did you decide not to release it?
1: Wow. That is such an awesome question. I don't think anyone has ever asked me that before, Wow. Um, but but it's something that I've thought about a lot. And there was one in particular that really was a pretty good interview. But at the end, and it was about, you know, he was a doctor. This was years ago now. He was a friend of a friend, a doctor. The interview went well. But at the end, it was one of those things where it was just like, it felt, and I don't know why it was more of a vibe than anything else. It was more of an intuition. It's like, this feels like an infomercial type thing. And I don't, that's not why I got here at all. And I don't want it to be interpreted that way. I don't, I don't want to go in that direction. I don't know what it was but it was just something about the way that it ended. I think maybe he pushed it a little too hard or pitched too hard and every, you know, the reality is, especially now, it's hard in in the world of health to make it and pay your rent. You need to have something to sell. Otherwise you can't just be out there all day interviewing because it costs money to have a place to do that and internet and food and, and all the rest of this stuff. It's real. So I respect that everyone has a reason to be there and usually something to sell as well and hopefully it's because they've put their weight behind something they believe in as is the case with you and the way that we do our business as well now that we we have plenty of things to sell we have, we have many of things that many things that we've sold over the years but I, we don't want any of it to get in the way of the actual message of health which is you need to be in charge of it. You're your own guru. And here are hopefully a a whole lot of things that can help. But yeah, that's what I would say is the biggest kind of like, for me, it's not even disagreeing with people on the interview. Uh, You know, over the course of the podcast, I've had so much of that. That's great. I love disagreements. I don't have to fight with them. I think it's great just to, you know, open the world up to multiple types of thinking, multiple perspectives, different ideas about things. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. So yeah, it's never been like censorship. It's more just like, ah, oh, that guy just started pitching way too hard. Oh, I don't think we can do this one. I don't think. We yeah, can do it. I get that. That's respectable. <laughs> oh, and there, there was one other one that I have regrets about. Joshua Wiseman is, you know. Uh, an amazing person in the space now, especially in the world of cooking, but he's been around for, geez, as long as I have, maybe even longer, I met him when I think he was 16 years old. And and we did an interview at Allison in my apartment in Austin way back in 2016 or 2017. And it was so great and I loved it so much, but the iPhone mic pooped out and we only had half of the conversation, not like half of the length, but only one of the voices. And so Uh. like, it just totally didn't work. But that's, that's one other regret where I wish I could release it, but we kind of can't. So there have been a few of those technical glitches that caught something that was kind of a once in a lifetime conversation at a certain time that I wish had had been captured better. So always use redundancy, like I'm recording this from my end right now, just in case we have the cable running up the stairwell right now, just to make sure that we can hang on for all these interviews. That would be another piece of advice is just like always do as much backup as is reasonable.
0: That's great advice for anybody who wants to be a podcaster or if you are a podcaster. Me too. I have GarageBand running in the background, getting my audio. And then StreamYard is recording both of our audio. So anything you can do. And then I have my internet, Ethernet in, right? So just in case the yep. Wi-Fi goes out. So these are the great tips for podcasters. And that's super interesting about the um, technical difficulties. I've been there with a great podcast and I'm like going back to listen to it. I'm like, oh boy. I can't release this. So half the audio is not there and you kind of learn from that, but uh, it's it's super yeah. interesting. Thank you for being authentic and sharing that about the one you didn't release. Totally could get that too, about being too salesy, not opposed to selling a product that you love and believe in, but if it's over the top and you're right, it could take away from the message. So that's respectable.
1: Well, and one, one added little bit to that too. You have to be really careful with health claims, no matter who you are these days, like saying that something cures something or it does X is a dangerous conversation, so you have to be careful. And going overboard with that is something that you have to be aware of because in this world of clickbait and and hype, it's really easy to go overboard. So it's it's important to be honest about the conversation. And you know, social media generally doesn't give people a lot of credit for having a nuanced conversation about things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I remember at the beginning of the COVID and everything that started to happen, there was a, a doctor, I forget his name, but he was going on a lot of podcasts, big name podcasts, speaking about like colloidal silver and what it does for like coronavirus and the immune system. And they came after him. I think they, they shut did. him down. I think he got in a lot of trouble with the FDA and they even shut down his practice, right? So that's a perfect example. You got to be really aware of that, especially the last two years, they've ramped it up. Absolutely. So even as the podcast host, like you, Abel, yeah, uh, you also have to be careful with your guests and the claims they make because you could might be just an innocent bystander that might they might come after you, right?
1: Yeah, it's happened before. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, anyways, it's very interesting. I think it'll be valuable for those who are aspiring to be a podcaster. I think anybody who wants to grow their brand, their business, their message needs to have a podcast. What do you think about that?
1: If they're up for signing up for a life sentence of content creation. Yes, if if that's you and you want to be behind the microphone or in front of a camera, and you could eventually become comfortable doing so, then absolutely, I would say, especially in this world now, where more people than ever have had these sorts of video conference things, whether it's Skype or Zoom or or meeting apps, people kind of have have gotten over that hurdle, that technical hurdle for the most part, where they can show up for you almost no matter who it is. Cause now you can do it with a phone, with earbuds and, and stuff like that. You know, 10 years ago when I started this, it was a whole different game in terms of the the technical aspects of going about all this. But now the problem isn't so much that uh, there is some technical complexity to the whole operation, of course, but it's more about just oversaturation. Now there are so many different shows and pieces of content and some of them have started and stopped and some of them, uh, you know, at some point, it seems like there are going to be more channels than listeners or viewers, right? And and so I don't think that'll happen forever. But that's a great problem to have and a terrible problem to have. We'll, we'll all have to work through that. But that's something that is an uphill battle for some people where they're just expecting that all of a sudden, they'll have all of these listeners because they're, uh, you know, putting out this show that's an hour long or three hours long, and just like Joe Rogan, three and a half hours every single day, just like shooting all these, that doesn't mean that you'll necessarily build a following super quickly. So as long as you're comfortable with that, and you're focused on building a body of work, then I think that's probably the best possible media that that you could create, because especially now, if you're creating something like a podcast, generally, that stands on its own. Whereas if you create a TikTok channel, it's not like you're creating something that you're uploading to a TikTok channel. You're just kind of on there and they own that and you, don't re- you haven't really built anything. You haven't built a blog, you haven't built a podcast or a feed. So whether it's your own website or a podcast or some way of syndicating your own work out there, I think that will be really important, especially as we look toward the future of decentralization of media.
0: Great, great answer. I agree with that. Your podcast has been around for, you said, 10 years now? Yeah. That's, yeah, you're one of the first in the game. It was like you, Sean Croxton with Underground uh, Wellness. Great Uh, show. Yeah, Yeah. I love Sean. Sean's Sean's actually the person who helped me... Come up with Keto Camp. He was uh, the oh, no, one, of, one of the the brainstorming effect of me and Sean Croxton. He was giving me some business coaching, and we came up with Keto Camp. So I keep in touch with him. And that yeah, yeah. so it was cool. you, Sean Croxton. Who else? Maybe Ben Greenfield, Dave Asprey. They might have came after you, but yeah, you're a perfect example of somebody who's committed. And uh, your show is great. So everybody, go subscribe to the Fat Burning Man podcast. Uh, your website is fatburningman.com. Let's now discuss more nutrition, intermittent fasting in in that aspect of the conversation. So as you know, uh, I love keto. However, I'm not dogmatic about it. I actually think we should go in and out of ketosis, which is my principle called keto flexing. I know you're a big fan of that as well. So maybe you could share how you apply carb cycling, keto flexing, kind of going in and out of ketosis and how the audience could apply it to their unique needs as well.
1: Yeah, and and I love your approach, KetoFlex. Also, your book is a, is a wonderful overview of, of how you can manage that and getting into the specifics of your own life, how to set it up. But uh, there's a tendency to think whenever you're especially due to kind of a paradigm of eating or living to think that more is better and that going really, really hard is going to get you better results. And that can be true. But generally speaking, over time, it's more about finding balance and finding a better balance at a better sweet spot for you. And so in my background, I've been pretty much a recreational runner for almost my entire life. And I competed for a while. I was never, you know, elite levels or anything like that. But I did run far and and pretty fast for a while. And so fuel became a major issue for me. Because I wanted a good power to weight ratio for running up mountains and for running marathons and things like that. And if you're carrying too much fat, not good. And... (laughs) also you can bonk so if you go out and and you run hard or you bike hard or you swim hard Uh, Anyone who's done endurance events knows that you can run out of gas. You can run out of glucose, which is stored in your muscles and your liver. And and when that happens, it's, you know, there are stories of of grown men just like right before the end of their marathon, weeping, walking in the wrong direction, sitting down, just not a good feeling, by the way, much, much more graphic (laughs) that I won't get into right now. But I mean, that's something that can actually happen. And our nervous systems are real. Our limits are real. You can't push this to the to the max and expect success every time. So finding that balance for me at the beginning <laughs> and uh, in pursuit of performance, sucking on sugar packs of goo that were caffeinated and delicious and chocolate or, you know, those stinger packets of honey and uh, all the rest of this stuff to get through races and After a while, I realized that I didn't necessarily have to do that. And the way that I got there pretty much was through fasting. It was the nutritional inroads to kind of changing the way that I was fueling for training. And when I realized that I could go longer without food, and specifically that I could basically make my glucose and glycogen last for longer, I could get away with doing extreme amounts of exercise, even at a pretty high level of of cardiovascular output without. Major detrimental effects of underfueling. Like that was something that I was really interested in because it's a pain in the butt to have to eat all the time. It's really expensive. you got to clean, you have to worry about fueling in a different way. So, anyway, many people, when they get into uh, ketosis, the state of ketosis, get there by going, say, less than 20 grams of carbs a day. So kind of flexing that muscle, so to speak, like engaging that gear. I think of it as another gear, right? When you can train up that gear and then build some capacity there, hopefully with with exercise in it, or at least going throughout the day and, and, and doing your own thing without having to fuel, building that fat burning mechanism, uh, so to speak. That's an incredible thing for most people to do. And then once you've done that, building muscle or increasing your endurance or output of exercise or just even you know due to stress levels of your own life sometimes you're you're running a little hotter being able to eat more and being able to refuel that glycogen and also have that metabolic flexibility to hit the other gear the rocket fuel of sugar is also great in its own way, at its own time. If you want to build muscle, then insulin is not your enemy and neither is glucose for the most part. They they can be extremely useful. And if you sacrifice them completely, uh, you could do so for the sake of simplicity and you might get some great results. But for most people, they're pretty temporary. And whether you like it or not, you're going to swing back at into eating more carbs for one reason or, or another, especially looking at food scarcity and food storage and the amount of money that food costs now, proteins versus fats versus carbs, being able to store some carbs on the shelf and, and know how to prepare them and turn them into resistant starch, say, as opposed to something that's totally high glycemic is really important. So I would encourage people to learn the skills of how to use and store all the different macronutrients, including carbs, and doing those re- refuels, everyone has to do it in, in kind of their own way. But I know that I feel a heck of a lot better. My wife does as well. And most people we've worked with, when you get some refuels, and you have some amount of flexibility, but you have to be honest with yourself, you can't just like go straight back into eating 350 grams of carbs, processed carbs a day, you know, as is in the standard American diet and expect that you'll still get great results. So once again, it's all about finding that balance.
0: It's a great, uh, I love your explanation of it. It's a great explanation. I love the analogy of uh, different gears. And you know, 88% of Americans, at least according to uh, a study from the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill in 2018, they found that 88% of Americans are metabolically inflexible, metabolically unhealthy. They're sugar burners, carb burners, and they would really benefit from getting from that away from that one gear of just sugar burning to switching over to being a fat-burning uh, machine, <laughs> no pun intended, a fat-burning man or woman. And then the opposite is also true, and it's also problematic. If you're in ketosis for a very long time, you're only using that one gear, and then you become metabolically rigid and inflexible in a different way. So we're not designed that way. We're designed to kind of go back and forth and have specific times to hit the sugar-burning gear but then be a fat burner and kind of go back and forth. And to your point, when you do it around exercise and do it when you're metabolically flexible, that is the goal. The goal is not to be dogmatic and a keto person or a vegan person for the rest of your life. The goal is to be metabolically fit and achieve metabolic freedom.
1: So great explanation. Anything you want to add to that, Abel? I I think that sums it up really well. And, And once again, you need to be the one who builds your own compass, right? This will always be changing a little bit. The ultimate truths... Will never change. There are some of those, the great principles, but also there is a lot that will change and your own body and goals will change over time. So it's important to make sure that you are willing to adapt to those and, and be somewhat proactive about those over the course of your life. Well
0: said. Absolutely. Hey, Keto Camper, I wanna just pause for a second and tell you about my favorite drink for metabolic health. On this podcast, we talk about the importance of metabolic health, metabolic flexibility. Well, this is called good idea. And it is a great idea if you are trying to reduce blood sugar and keep your insulin levels in a healthy range. It has zero calories, zero sweeteners, and none of the junk ingredients. And it tastes like a lightly sparkling water. I call it a functional sparkling water because it has been clinically tested and shown to reduce blood sugar spikes after a meal. It contains a blend of amino acids and chromium piclinate, Together, they slow gastric emptying and increase insulin sensitivity, allowing a steady release of glucose in the bloodstream where it can be transferred into the cells for fuel. It also contains zinc and potassium as an added benefit. They hooked you all up with a special coupon code. so All you need to do is head over to goodidea.us and apply the coupon code BEN, that is B-E-N at checkout at goodidea.us i'm going to drop that link in the podcast notes along with the coupon code all right let's get back to this episode now you mentioned intermittent fasting uh, i know you've done like 3-day fast before and different fasting strategies but i want to know why do you love intermittent fasting so much what are your favorite benefits of intermittent fasting and what are some variations of intermittent fasting or fasting strategies that you like to utilize
1: i love the simplicity of fasting and the simplicity of kind of having the, the on and off switch for your own, not only metabolism and way of eating, but also your consumption in a way, right? Like your that setting because when you wake up and you, you go on social media and you start just like scrolling through, you're in that mode of consuming, you're not creating. And so fasting in a way, mentally, spiritually can also... Build that. I mean, you're you are building strength in that sense as well. It, being willing and able to say no to whatever that is is an important skill, and uh, tapping the brakes on on things is something that we're less and less likely to do these days with all these options and all this saying yes and all these things that are thrown in our faces. So, uh, fasting can be approached in all sorts of different ways. The, the way that I got into it was really through pushing breakfast into later. And then aside from, you know, some sometimes when I did go a day or two without food, when I was younger and stuff, I didn't think of it as fasting. But when I first really f- researched this a bit more than a decade ago, and really went down that rabbit hole and tried practicing it in combination with training, it was pushing out breakfast until about noon, and doing something like a sixteen-eight style fast, where I would generally speaking do my workout in the middle of the day and sometimes i would do it completely fasted but i didn't right away because the first few times i tried it i was talk about out of gas i wasn't bonking but god it was yeah it was you didn't have that burst Yeah. Uh Yeah. You didn't have that jump in your step that you might be used to. It was definitely some workouts, even the same workout can be a lot harder than others. And this was a slog. So at the beginning, I started with a, with a small meal. Sometimes it was just like some BCAAs or some protein powder or, you know, little bit of gross tuna fish or something back then, whenever it was. (laughs) And then, uh, would do the workout and usually refuel after that. Have kind of a bigger meal and then I would eat dinner and that would be it. Sometimes I'd go out drinking too because I was in my 20s or whatever, and and that was it. And and over the course of doing so for a few weeks, I realized that I wasn't sacrificing strength. In fact, I was I was hitting personal bests in in terms of and I wasn't measuring this super seriously, but my lifting was getting better. I was feeling really good and mostly I didn't have to shop for prep, cook, and then clean up for one or two maybe meals in the morning that I had pushed into later in the day. And then, you know, doing big cooks on Sundays on the weekend and then having leftovers available, it simplified things a lot. And and that also started saving money when I was able to get away with eating less, (laughs) but not really sacrificing performance, which for a while, that was a hedonism thing as well. I needed to get over that from an ego perspective because... Uh, Especially being younger, there's—I don't know what it was, but it's just like the more you eat, the more of a man you are, the more strength you're building, or something. And that can be true, of course. Like especially if you're young and athletic and you're burning through all these calories or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I think from a mental aspect, I had to reorient that into being like, wait, if I'm eating less and I'm performing better and I'm shopping less and all this stuff and I'm I'm saving money, that's a win. Let's reframe that into a win. Uh, Let's try eating a little bit less for a while and embracing that made fasting easier. And eventually that turned into kind of the OMAD, the one meal a day. I remember reading Ori Hoffmechler's Warrior Diet, fantastic, underrated book, totally magnificent man with an incredible, you know, all of, he's done so many different kinds of work and I really respect that. But anyway, a great read. And so Doing the kind of eating for four hours thing, the 20-4 style of fasting worked well for me for, I don't know, eight years or so. I did that most days. And now I'm kind of back to the 16-8 again, and that's feeling really good. So I think it's important for people to keep recalibrating. And, And sometimes I'll give myself a break on the weekends. If I want to eat earlier, I can. Generally speaking, I really, I don't get hungry until I start eating for the most part. And so sometimes it is good to get ahead of that as well. Sometimes, once again, you don't want to run out of fuel. So being able to pre fuel sometimes ahead of your hunger, even if you're not that hungry can be useful sometimes, but usually I I saw it as a win for me who uh, I have a tendency to put on weight relatively easily, whether it's fat or muscle. So I need to be careful with that. Usually getting away with the under eating piece, even if it's just the off switch through fasting can be a nice way to simplify the approach to making sure you're not eating too dang much, which is the big problem for most of us
0: these days. (laughs) It's it's so true. No, I I love the schedule. And what I'm hearing is that you know the discipline that you develop with intermittent fasting and saying no to food, that discipline transfers to other areas of your life. It kind yes. of, it's kind of like a muscle, a disciplined muscle that you get stronger with. I've seen that to be true with myself as well. And I love how you're very flexible with your fasting approach. And it follows the you know the principle of feast famine cycling. Intermittent fasting is not necessarily about eating less. It's about eating less often and To your point, way back in the beginning of the conversation, you said, just because something is good, doing it more doesn't make it better. Right? Fasting is something I see people overdo, and I was guilty of it myself. It's like, I feel really good when I'm fasting. Let me keep doing OMAD. Let me keep doing 24 hours. And then too much fasting is not good. So I love that you have some weekends where you don't fast. You go either 20-4 to 16-8 but you're following the principles of life, which is feast, famine, cycling, which you talk about in the wild diet. But why is it so important to feast? And when I say feast, I don't mean eat bad food, but to feast, why is it important to feast just as important it is to fast, Abel?
1: The the first time I ran a major marathon, it was something where I didn't know exactly what I was doing and I did not refuel properly. And I got pretty much the flu for like three days, maybe even a a week after that, I got quite ill. And that happened to me a few times when I didn't properly refuel. And and specifically what that meant was going too hard on the glycogen. I thought I had, oh, I just ran 30 miles or whatever. I've got to refuel all of this glycogen all at once. But that suppresses your immune system. You have to find a way how to balance that correctly. So the feasting, I mean, it's, (laughs) it's important what we put in our bodies and whether it's nutrient dense or not, or how processed it is, this stuff does matter. And so like, just because you are fasting, that can be a tool. It can be uh, great and really useful and create wonderful results for a lot of people. But what you're eating also matters. What you're not eating matters so much, but what you are eating also can result in massive deficiencies or in relative abundance of, of multiple nutrients, various nutrients, a diversity of foods. And also you're getting a, a mental stimulation and, and some level of entertainment out of all of the various spices and smells and experiences. I mean, you live in Miami. I love going to Florida. My folks live in St. Augustine. It's just every time it's just a buffet of smells and experiences, and a feast for the senses. And so that's, that's a very important part of being Human and you know just the idea that all of these totally ripped models with six packs and perfect bodies are eating microwave dinners with chicken and broccoli every night. Like it doesn't have to be that way. It can be more luxurious and abundant and fun and entertaining. And, And anyway, that's that's the way that we like to do this. You can approach health from a way that's that's creative and fun. And that's how many chefs do it and and how many, you know, my dad was a short order cook to pay the bills for a while and I learned so much from just, you know, watching people create things out of nothing. So falling back in love with food and the, the creative aspect of feasting and entertaining for other people is a wonderful, luxurious event, so much better than social media could ever be. But sharing this experience with other people is something that we're all meant to do as humans. And, you know, for the most part, when you do fall back in love with feasting, hopefully you can look at cooking again. And, you know, if you want to embrace your health, you kind of have to. You can't get away with just doing that microwave dinner or picking up food all the time, or, el- or else it's going to be really expensive or difficult to manage for a family or what have you. So being able to Look at food as something that's nourishing your body and is nutrient dense, but not something that's just going to make you fat or whatever, is really important now more than ever. So that's that's kind of how I would frame feasting. Yeah, you can if you want to, you could go to Taco Bell and eat as much as you want, but that's <laughs> you're not gonna do that too many times. You, <laughs> you know, learn your lesson. Make those mistakes yourself if you want to. But uh when you engage the feasting part of the day. Try to make it as enjoyable and as high quality of an experience and of food as you possibly can. You'll realize over time that it's totally worth it to do so.
0: Great advice. You know, you're somebody who I know you have a, you protect your morning and I'm the same way. So I want to know why you believe that first hour after you wake up is so vital to our day and our results and our life and some of the things you do to protect your morning after you wake
1: up? And I I love your questions, Ben. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Abel. Waking up in the morning, it's a, it's a sacred time. And yes, the reality of the situation is that some people have to like get up, go straight to work or take care of the kids or whatever it is. And, and you do have to get right to it. But to the extent that you can, if there's a way that you can protect that m- That brain state that you have right after you wake up, it's a precious state that is kind of like a balloon that gets popped. As soon as there's that interruption or that bit of stress or that squirt of adrenaline or whatever it is, poof, it's kind of gone for the day. So, and this won't work every single day, but I found great value over the years in terms of writing books, writing music, working on the business, uh, looking at at different life goals and prioritizing various things or, or trying to draft out where, where we do want to be in three months or five years or whatever. And that time of the morning is just so sacred. And so I try to wake up in the morning and practice some level of self-defense against technology where you're not being notified. And of course, yes, you need to have your your phone on sometimes in case of emergency and things like that. But five or 10 minutes or so, if you can go just a little bit without freaking out and hopping on Instagram or or the news site or whatever it is that like is the tendency because it's addictive to do that. That's the whole point. They make it addictive. So try to just delay it for a few minutes. And if you uh, if you had a dream, And especially if it was a nice one, not unsettling or whatever, or stressful, like, write it down. What does that mean? Where do you want to go today? If if you could just write a few sentences, what would they be? You know, this sort of creative questioning is so important for reframing your day in your mind, once again, to that state of creativity, which I keep talking about, because it's being so snuffed out these days. We're just, once you're in that reactive state of consuming things, that, that balloon has popped. So whatever it is that you find precious to you, whether it's cuddling with someone you love or or waking up with with your child and giving them a kiss and saying, I love you, or writing a silly little poem that makes someone giggle or or maybe plunking out a few notes on the ukulele that you've always wanted to play. Do those things as soon as you wake up in that dreamlike state because you're not really going to get it back Later that day, or you have to work really hard to get into that that gear, right? That that sort of protected but vulnerable state of being human, which all of us have somewhere.
0: Yeah, no, it's such a it's, it's such a special time during the day. To your point, and I love all the suggestions. So it could be playing an instrument, writing down what you just dreamt of gratitude has been a big practice of my life first Huge. thing in the morning like, yes. yeah affirmations so find what works for you some somebody might need to do meditation and they you know really love that and another person would not really enjoy meditation but the the goal is to protect that morning And it, it, it's so the subconscious mind is the most impressionable first thing in the morning you're in that dreamlike state you want to protect it and not open up your social media feed or turn on the news. So the way I do it is I don't I don't check my phone until after an hour after I wake up. Then I'll, I'll turn on my phone. But you could put your phone on Do Not Disturb. And here's something I learned. And then on, on iPhones, if you have like a favorite, let's say it's your wife or your mom or your husband. Even though your phone's on do not disturb, the favorite calls will still go through. So if they're an emergency, those will go through, but all the other ones, you don't get notified. So that could be a hack for somebody. So we're very alike with that, Abel. I protect my morning very much so. So I love that you shared that. Fatburningman.com. Your book is called The Wild Diet. It came out in 1672. It's been around for a while. (laughs) Been around for a while. (laughs) You also have a, a children's book, which is... Uh, designer Baby Still Gets Scabies. I, I can never forget that name. Such a great, is it, I said it right, correct? Is that right? You
1: did. Yeah. You did, yes. And then you also have a book on music, right? From a, several years ago? Yes, The Musical Brain. And that one is a, a deeply technical, kind of scientific look at uh, where music comes from how it's related to language and also the evolutionary basis for how we got at all of this. So it's a dense one, but definitely worth exploring. And now there, there are a lot of books around that subject. So I would encourage people to take a look at at some of those. It's it's an interesting field.
0: Awesome. And you can find everything on your website. So just go to fatburningman.com to get all of those resources. Your, your uh, podcast is the fat burning man. Anywhere else you want the keto campers to go check you out, Abel?
1: I guess for some of the creative projects, abeljames.com, abeljames.com. And uh, yeah, hit me up. It's uh, sometimes hard to find me through social media, but you'll get to us eventually if you want to collaborate or you have great ideas about where to take this world next. We need more good people like Ben out there in the world. And we appreciate you listening and being part of our tribe, so to speak. So it's it's especially, I'm going to ask you, on the interview on my show very soon about where you see the media landscape going over the next few years, because I don't think it'll look like it did in the rearview mirror, but I'm excited to have people like you out there and the listeners who are really in this for the right reasons. So there are a lot of reasons to be optimistic.
0: Yeah, no, I love that mindset. I do have one more question for you before we wrap it up. And by the way, everybody who's listening and watching, we're going to put all of the links, all of the show notes, everything mentioned could be found down below. We make it very easy for you. Um, so go check out Abel's social media, his YouTube, just don't look for him on Instagram because
1: <laughs> that's... <laughs> yeah, don't look for me there.
0: Uh, last question, vitamin G, which is gratitude, the strongest vitamin in the world. What are you grateful for today? What do you have vitamin G for today?
1: Uh, the wind is blowing right now and they like, there's a different front coming through and the air is kind of cooling down. It's been really hot and, uh... I'm so grateful for being connected to all of that and the fact that things change and it's all a bit impermanent. And so that's, that's a reason to be grateful for everything. But to your point, that's, that's definitely something that I try to work into every day, whether it's writing it down in a journal, something or a few things that I'm grateful for or doing it during a meditation that has been a huge part of my daily routine and our families for many years now. And it's, probably the best bang for your spiritual buck, so to speak.
0: (laughs) I love that. It sure is. Um, Abel, I'm grateful for you, man. You've been a huge inspiration to me. Even before I knew you, you've been a huge inspiration. I read your book, as you know, several years ago, I got all highlighted and took a lot of notes. Yeah. And then we became friends and I just admire what you're doing. I'll be on your podcast tomorrow. (laughs) So round two on my, on your show, this is round two on my show. And just, Keep showing up. Grateful for you. Thank you for the conversation today. Everybody go follow Abel. And I look forward to round three already, brother. Thank you for coming on today.
1: Likewise. Thank you so much, Ben.
0: I hope you enjoyed that fun, entertaining conversation with Abel. You got to love that, man. Go subscribe to his podcast, The Fat-Burning Man. Go check out his website which we'll drop links for down below. Go get his book, The Wild Diet, which released in 19, 1672. Just kidding. <laughs> we'll put a social media and everything can be found in the podcast notes down below. If you want to watch the video interview of the podcast you just listened to, head to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash KetoCamp. All of our podcast episodes can be found in video format on our YouTube channel. We'll drop a link for that down below as well. I want to thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast and spending part of your day with Abel and myself. Hope you have an incredible rest of your day. Love you, appreciate you, and I'll see you on the next episode.